to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and it is good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio podcast. If you're listening locally on radio, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it very, very much. If you've been a longtime listener, I appreciate you even more. So long I've been doing this now, almost 12 years. It's crazy to think that I've been doing it that long. And many of you have been with me since close to the beginning, if not the very beginning. You know who you are, and I appreciate your time and your focus listening to what I have to say about health, nutrition, fitness, and all things Vitality. Vitality Radio, always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful at 107 South 500 West. You can call us, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. If you'd like more information about anything you've heard on the show or anything that has to do with health and fitness, we would love to talk to you. We are open during this COVID crisis. You can do curbside stuff if you'd like. You can do it over the phone. We will send send product to you through the mail if you need to make a purchase. And of course, you can still come in and see us face-to-face if you would like to. VitalityNutrition.com or VitalityRadio.com are two different places you can interact with the show. And now, It is time for the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Yeah, so over and over again, people tell me that the morning rant is the best part of the show. I think that's good. I don't know. I hope that you like the whole show, but I have to admit, It's my favorite part of the show. I get to get stuff off my chest, and today we've got a double header. Two rants, both having to do with the current state of affairs here in this country and in medicine. And I want to make it clear that this isn't all about COVID-19. You may be sick and tired of hearing about COVID-19. I kind of am myself even though I have to keep digging deeper into it to try and figure out what the truth actually is. But while this will be focused on the things surrounding COVID-19, what I would like you to take from this is where you should be concerned about placing your trust when it comes to health and medicine, regardless of whether we're talking about COVID-19, the common cold, the flu, cancer, arthritis, diabetes, heart disease, you name it. There's a lot of things that are being made very, very clear 
through what's happening with COVID-19. At no time in my life, and I'm sure yours, has health been the primary topic talked about on social media and on mass media and independent media as the primary topic of conversation above politics, above sports, above entertainment, above all else. We're talking about health. And with that, there's been new exposure to some of the problems that are in the healthcare system, particularly here in the good old U.S. of A. So when I'm talking about COVID, remember, it applies far beyond COVID. But let's jump into it because this rant is going to take a little bit of time, but I think you're going to really enjoy it. I hope you'll learn something from it. Let's go. All right. So there is an open letter written by Dr. Frank Schallenberger. And Dr. Frank Schallenberger is one of the preeminent experts on ozone therapy for disease in America. He uh, is very well known within his field, but not that well known outside of it because, frankly, ozone therapy is not used that much in America while it is used extensively in a lot of other countries. Uh, In his May 2020 newsletter, which was provided to me by Dr. Paul Larson, my dentist here in Bountiful, who is awesome, an alternative-minded dentist is not easy to find, and he is fantastic. He gave me this letter, and it's really, really good. I'm going to go ahead and read you uh, quite a few excerpts from it because I think there's a lot of value. It gets a little deep sometimes, but I'll try to get it across here on the radio and on the podcast in the best way I can. He says, I recently submitted a letter to President Trump's coronavirus task force to ask them to consider ozone therapy combined with vitamin C therapy to treat patients who have developed COVID-19 and for future pandemics. I also submitted several studies along with other documents to help them see how effective ozone is for treating these infections. And this month, I am writing an open letter to the task force to encourage the public to contact their representatives and get this therapy into the hospitals. Please make photocopies of this article and send them to your representatives. And by the way, if you would like a photocopy of the article, I am happy to provide it for you at Vitality Nutrition. You just call us 801-292-6662 and we will have a copy for you. I didn't think in advance, so this one's a little marked up. But that's okay. I can get you a fresh one probably from Dr. Larson too. But regardless, if you'd like one and you'd like to send it to local government officials, which I would highly suggest, or you want to send it to national government officials, you want to share it with friends and family, whatever you want, I'll get it for you. No problem. Just call us 801-292-6662. This is what his letter says. Your work on finding solutions for the coronavirus pandemic is too important to wait for double-blind studies on treatments that have already been proven safe and effective for viral infections. Now, I'm going to get away from his letter for a minute and address what he just said because I have been saying the very same thing. His opening statement said exactly what I've been saying for the last two-plus months. Why are previously proven safe and effective treatments not being even considered just because the FDA has not yet approved them? If we know they are safe, isn't it worth a shot? I mean, people are actually dying from this. It also 
his statement also exposes in a major way the pure hypocrisy of these idiots, I mean experts, running healthcare in our country. They continue to say things like, we can't safely return to normal until there is a vaccine. Yet the vaccine would not have double-blind placebo-controlled studies. They never do. So why is it okay to rush to market in 10 to 18 months with a vaccine that has no safety data available for it, but not to use something that is previously proven safe and hope that that might work? More on that later. So what about ozone? Back to Schallenberg's letter. He says, ozone therapy is widely used around the world, but it is relatively new to the USA. The AAOT has a library page that links to close to 3,000 published studies in the international literature on ozone. 3,000. And all kinds of various medical conditions. All these studies speak to safety and efficacy. I have included six studies that I am sending you for your review. Ozone is an oxidant molecule. That means that it will destroy any molecule, bacteria or virus, with sufficient antioxidant enzymes. This is, a tr this is true of virtually every pathogenic organism so far tested, which is why ozone is so effective as a disinfectant. Many cleaning companies use ozone very effectively to clean and disinfect buildings. But although it can destroy a virus or anaerobic bacterium on direct contact, this is not how it functions inside the human body. And this next part is something I did not know, and it's fascinating to me. By the way, Dr. Larson, one of the reasons he gets this newsletter is because he uses ozone therapy in his uh, facility on teeth, on the mouth for, uh, for infections to try and get away from overuse of antibiotics and things like that. I have had him use ozone on me. It is safe. It is painless. It is quick. It's awesome. It's an amazing, amazing therapy, and I love it. But that's used primarily as a disinfectant. Inside the body, it's a little bit different. In the human body, ozone is a signaling molecule released by peripheral mononuclear white cells, that's the PMBCs, during the interaction between an antibody and an, anti and an antigen in the extracellular space. The signal stimulates other PMCB or PMBCs to dramatically increase their production of cytokines. These cytokines are predominantly IL2 and I or sorry, GIFN, and they orchestrate the CD56, CD8 and 8 immune system. Now, there will be a written review. No, there won't. You don't need to know all these numbers and names too much. And again, if you want to go deeper on this, I'm happy to provide a copy of this newspaper that I'm holding in my hand, or newsletter that I'm holding in my hand right now. He goes on to say, the innate immune system is the first line of defense when we are exposed to an infectious agent. It is especially critical when it comes to infectious organisms that are new to our body, to which there is no immunological memory. Remember, weeks ago, I had on the show an expert on immune uh, support, uh, Dr. Jennifer, talking about the importance of the innate immune system as well as the acquired immune system. Well, this is the acquired and the innate. We, if we haven't acquired immunity to this pathogen by previous exposure, then we have to rely on our innate immune system. And that's what he's talking about. He says, this is how it works. Viruses are not alive. They do not have the capability to generate energy for life. 
nor can they make the energy required for replication. Now, I think this is important. This is an open letter primarily to politicians, not doctors. This is going to people like Trump, the Senate, Congress, your local leaders, uh, you know, county health departments even, those types of places, but specifically politicians who are not doctors and not health experts. So he's explaining this in ways that for you and I, very, very useful, but for them as well. Doctors should already know a lot of this stuff, but they don't when it comes to ozone because they're not taught it in medical school in America as a general practice, and it's not used here in America very often. So back to what he says. They are not alive viruses. They do not have the capability to generate energy for life, nor can they make the energy required for replication. The only way they multiply and create havoc is by invading a cell and then using the cell's genetic system and energy to encode itself and replicate. The newly created viruses are then released into the extracellular space. Without the cell, the virus cannot replicate and ultimately will not survive. The cell essentially becomes a viral factory. And here is the problem. While PMBCs and antibodies are capable of destroying viruses on contact in the extracellular space, they cannot destroy a virus when it is inside of the cell. Therefore, the only way to stop a viral infection once it has established itself intracellularly inside the cell is to kill the cell that it has invaded and is using to replicate. So they have to kill the actual cell itself. This is exactly what the cytotoxic CD8 and CD56 natural killer cells do. And those are the two that are raised exponentially with ozone therapy. Unless these cells are sufficiently activated during a viral infection, it could turn out to be a problem because there is no way to ultimately control a viral infection until the infected cells are eliminated. We have no drugs that will do this without at the same time killing healthy cells. But our immune systems under the control of cytokines do exactly that. And I think that's so important, that differentiation. We have no drugs that can do this now. But ozone does allow for this to happen through the natural ability of our innate immune systems. They can kill those cells by, that they identify as infected while preserving healthy cells, which makes it extremely safe. It's only killing the corrupt cells. That's a big deal. Those people who are exposed to a virus and have absolutely no symptoms, those asymptomatic people, they are the ones whose innate immune systems are working optimally. In them, the infection never gets off the ground. Those who come down with the infection with event, but eventually get over it and those with, or sorry, are those whose innate immune systems were not working well at the time of exposure, but which eventually became activated and worked effectively. And those who die from a virus are those whose innate immune systems never sufficiently became activated. And that's where ozone therapy works. In ozone therapy for infections, we remove about 200 cc's of blood into a bottle. In that bottle, there are about 0.16% of the body's PMBCs. Ozone gas is then introduced into the bottle and interacts instantly with the PMBCs. This treated blood is then reintroduced back into the patient. The whole process takes about 5 to 45 minutes, 
depending on the equipment used, the treatments require about, get this, $7 worth of materials. $7. 45 minutes at the max, $7. Now that sounds like a treatment that we should be exploring here in America. He goes on. When the ozone is introduced into the bottle, it stimulates the PMBCs in the bottle to start making the cytokines. That activate both the innate immune system and the humoral system. These activated PMBCs then increase their production of the needed cytokines. Some studies show that when properly done, the cytokine production can increase by 400 to 600%. When the newly activated PMBCs are then reinfused into the patient, they circulate to the liver, spleen, and bone marrow, where they in turn stimulate other PMBCs to increase their production. This is termed paracrine stimulation and was first described in 1989 in the scientific literature. It is this increased cytokine activity that eventually controls the infection by activating the innate immune system and by killing off the infected cells while preserving the healthy cells. I love that part. Preserving the healthy cells, not just killing the bad cells. Thus, when an individual is very sick from a viral infection, the reason is not the virus itself, but the inability of the innate cytotoxic and humoral systems to control the viral replication. Comorbid diseases only increase the risk. In other words, people who are already sick, remember they're the main people dying of COVID. If you already have diabetes, if you already have heart disease, if you already have cancer, whatever it is, you are more likely to be at risk because your immune system is already underperforming at that point. Makes sense, right? One, uh, he says, I have used two things that have worked incredibly well for almost all viruses that I've come across, ozone therapy, and the other one is vitamin C therapy. Now, I've talked to you a lot about vitamin C therapy on Vitality Radio over the last couple of months because I believe it is huge and it is being missed in America, and I think I know why. I'll get into that in a minute. But vitamin C, he says, has been instrumental because it actually helps to control the cytokine storm that many COVID patients are actually going through. So what he recommends is this. You give the ozone treatment according to international standards. Follow each treatment with 25 grams, that's 25,000 milligrams of vitamin C in an IV. Give 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C orally four times a day. In severely ill patients in a hospital setting, this should be done two to four times per day as indicated. Safe doses have been well established. Now, last week I brought you some basic information on what's happening in the Balearic Islands of all places where they've had basically a 100% success rate with this type of therapy, ozone therapy. And they're doing it in like three days. They're seeing massive turnarounds in people who are very, very sick and not having to put them on ventilators hardly at all. Why is that important? Because last week I also told you that ventilators seem to be uh, people who go on a ventilator with COVID-19 die over 80% of the time. That's twice as much as any other reason why someone would go on a ventilator. And yet we're pushing ventilators and building ventilators and so on and so on and so on. But that's the paper on ozone. If you want information on that and you want an actual copy of the paper, let me know. We will have them for you uh, starting uh, after the show airs on Saturday. Okay, now, done with the paper, back to the rest of the rant, because this is where I think 
we see the inadequacies of the government and the healthcare system in trying to actually take care of our citizenry. So why does Fauci seem to get a free pass because he is a so-called expert when Trump is constantly ridiculed for asking honest questions about how to fight this virus? Because, of course, it's Trump and he's not a health expert and, frankly, he's an easy target. But I'm telling you that lots of people who aren't health experts and plenty of people who are are asking viable, honest questions, not just President Trump. Now, before you start thinking that I'm going all Trump 2020 on you, this has nothing to do with my love or hate for Trump. I'm uh, squarely in the middle on that. But Trump has made several statements and asked several questions, and all of these have been turned into jokes on the uh, you know Facebook pages and YouTube and all these other places. First, it was about hydroxychloroquine which, by the way, now has two real-life studies that have been done on real, actual COVID-19 patients with excellent results and minimal side effects in both China and France, but not in America. I don't know why. Do you know why? We'll talk about that in a minute, too. A few days ago, Trump actually asked about something that sounded so absurd, so ridiculous, that when I heard it, I thought, ah, it's just Trump being Trump. And maybe it was just Trump being Trump. He tends to put his foot in his mouth quite regularly. But he said, if disinfectants are so effective on COVID on surfaces, can we figure out a safe way to inject them into people? Well, that sounds ridiculous, completely absurd, unless you take a step back. But what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word disinfectant? Think about it. What was the first word? For me, it's Lysol followed closely by Clorox, because those two companies are really good at marketing, right? So you think disinfectant, you think Lysol, you think Clorox. I don't use either of those products in my house. They're both toxic. I use clean, natural disinfectants like white vinegar, colloidal silver, things like that. But I still think of Lysol first and Clorox second. And when Trump said that, and I heard that, I thought, what, is he nuts? But then I had to think about it a little bit. And I thought, Ah, even if he doesn't know what he's talking about, he may have actually made a really, really valid point. And yet, of course, it's laughed off. What would be a disinfectant that could be injected into people, either be an an IV or some sort of a needle or given orally? Well, how about colloidal silver? What do we know about it? Well, it's extremely non-toxic. No matter what you hear about blue men with colloidal silver, believe me, That's a bunch of malarkey. And if you have questions about that, I'm happy to answer them. I don't know if colloidal silver would kill COVID-19. Nobody's ever studied it that I'm aware of. But we know that a true nano-colloidal silver, meaning the particle size is small enough, completely leaves the body within 24 hours. So it's non-toxic. It cannot hurt you by stacking up and turning you blue. We also know that it's highly effective on nearly every virus that it comes into contact with on the outside of the body in in vitro studies. Now, that does not prove that it kills it on the inside, and we certainly don't know if it kills COVID-19. But if it's really, really safe, and it works really, really well, and we even have shown that on the surface it will kill SARS, the closest relative and a much more dangerous version of coronavirus, then why aren't we at least investigating it? 
So here are some questions that I have that I'm really, really curious about. We know that ventilators are proving to kill coronavirus sufferers at an alarming rate. As I said before, double roughly what they normally would. Yet ventilators that have been, are, are like the main thing, the, the, I don't know if it's the last ditch effort, but it's close to the last ditch, last ditch effort that are being used in this country all over the place with horrific results. 80% of the people that go on them die. So there are questions, good questions, asked by well-meaning people that frankly the answer might end up being no, it doesn't work, but that I want to know for sure, and there's only one way to find out, we're in the middle of a crisis, they call this a pandemic. If it's a pandemic, if it's a pandemic, if it's as dangerous and deadly and horrifying as they say it is, if the numbers that they're touting are real, which I have questions about a lot of the numbers, but if they are, then we ought to be trying things, not waiting for a double-blind placebo-controlled study on something that's already been proven to be at least relatively safe. So question number one, does hydroxychloroquine actually work and is it safe? Question number two, does vitamin C therapy work? Because we already know it's safe. Does colloidal silver work? We know that it's safe. Could it be put into an IV or used as a literal disinfectant like Trump asked? Number four, does ozone work? We know it is safe too, and we know it works really well on other viruses. And number five, why are ventilators still being made in mass quantities when we know that they are likely killing more people than they are saving? There are more questions, but I want to focus on these five because, frankly, I only have a one-hour show. So here are the answers, and they're alarmingly similar. Number one, does hydroxychloroquine actually work and is it safe? Hydroxychloroquine is readily available, has about 60 years of relatively safe use, and at least two real studies on live COVID-19 patients that prove that it probably at least works in a high percentage of people. But it's not under patent, and a cheap generic is available. Number two, does vitamin C therapy work? Well, in China and Italy, among other countries, there is substantial evidence of the effectiveness of vitamin C in high doses via IV. The evidence is so great that there are at least five studies being done on COVID-19 patients that I know of, and there could be more, in other countries, but not in America. It is extremely safe, very cheap, readily available, and nobody holds a patent on it and can make a bunch of money. Does colloidal silver work? Could it actually be put in an IV, like Donald Trump suggested, a disinfectant directly into the blood? Well, we don't know. We know that colloidal silver has been used, has years of safe use, even in hospitals for severe burn patients and uh, as a preventative of a variety of different infections, including the silver nitrate that they put in babies' eyes when they are first born. But colloidal silver is readily available. It's really cheap. And nobody holds a patent on it. Number four, does ozone therapy work? Because we know it's safe too. Well, it sure looks like ozone works based on what's happening in the Balearic Islands with it. It has also been used effectively on almost all viruses for years and has 3,000 studies that prove safety and effectiveness. And remember, it's really cheap. $7 worth of materials to do that treatment. 
that is recommended by Dr. Schallenberger. And guess what? No big patents. Nobody's standing to make billions of dollars selling it. Are you sensing a pattern here? And number five, why are ventilators still being made in mass quantities when we know that they are likely killing more people than they are saving? The answer to this one is slightly more complex. It is a fact that part of the CARES Act, you know that stimulus bill that got you a $1,200 check in the mail last month, that Medicare does pay an additional 20% to hospitals for COVID patients. Now, when Dr. Fauci was asked about this potential financial conflict, he brushed it off in the most effective way possible. He said, you'll always have conspiracy theories when you have very challenging public health crises. These are nothing but distractions. Man, what better way to shut up a reporter or even a citizen than using the word conspiracy theory? But then... Minnesota State Senator Scott Jensen, who is also a family physician, said on April 8th, I would remind Dr. Fauci that any time health care in- intersects with dollars, it gets awkward. I love that word. Right now, sorry, he says right now, if I can read correctly, Medicare has determined that if you have a COVID-19 admission to the hospital, you will get paid $13,000. If that COVID-19 patient goes on a ventilator, you will get $39,000. That's three times as much. Nobody can tell me after 35 years in the world of medicine that sometimes those kinds of things impact what we do, said Dr. Scott Jensen, who happens to be a Minnesota state senator. But when asked about the very possibility that a doctor or hospital might actually look at financial incentives when choosing the right treatment for a patient, Gerald Kaminsky, senior fellow at the UCLA Center for Health Policy Research, said, there's an implication here that hospitals are over-reporting their COVID patients because they have an economic advantage of doing so, which is really an outrageous claim. And then he says, It's basically like saying physicians are violating their Hippocratic oath. It would be like providing heart surgery on someone who doesn't need it. Well, heavens no, that would never happen. When was the last time you ever heard anybody motivated to lie, cheat, or kill for thousands of dollars? Listen, the Hippocratic oath is great in theory, but since Iatrogenic death, that's the kind of death that's caused by modern medicine, kills at least 250,000 Americans a year, making it the third leading cause of death after cancer and heart disease. Yeah, first do no harm. That isn't working anymore. The bottom line has been and always will be money. There is no other logical explanation that I can see as to why we aren't exploring and using alternative therapies or even cheap and plentiful drugs for COVID-19. While a vaccine can make many people millions of dollars and some people even billions, none of these other options can or will. If I got COVID-19, the very last place I would go for treatment is an American hospital. 
Okay, I'm going to come back with part two of the rant and some information on how to sleep like a baby during this crisis. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blogger online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is we don't just sell supplements. We consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. All righty, welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm Jared St. Clair. I'm here with you once a week on a new episode every Saturday. Governor Gary R. Herbert and uh, Lieutenant Governor Spencer J. Cox announced a mask for every Utahn. And as I was driving home the other day, I saw a billboard a mask for every Utah. God, it sounds so beautiful, so concerning, concerned, concerning. Yeah, it's concerning to me, but it sounds like they're concerned, right? They're going to get a mask for every Utah. And this is what it is. Well, the public-private partnership to provide a free face mask to Utahns who don't have one. Masks, along with social distancing, will play an important role as more people return to work and everyday activities. Excuse me, and we all work to reactivate the Utah economy. The state of Utah, through an arrangement with the Utah Manufacturers Association and Cotopaxi, purchased two million face masks to help protect the health of Utahns during the global COVID 19 pandemic. The state's order for masks helped employ over 200 Utahns by keeping local manufacturers open. Boy, that talk about propaganda. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, 200 Utahns were kept employed by this mask initiative. Well, thank goodness for that because there's thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, who have lost work or lost their business or lost their entire livelihood because of this shutdown. So don't try and make up for it, Governor Herbert, with 200 Utahns keeping local manufacturers open. But anyway, Last week, I talked about the false sense of security that a mask may actually provide. What have I learned since then? Well, interestingly enough, I learned something. Thank goodness Jen found this. Jen works with me at Vitality Nutrition. And it was from February 8th. No, February 3rd, even earlier. 
I didn't know about it till this week. Why? It wasn't reported anywhere. I didn't see it on CNBC. I didn't see it on CNN. I didn't see it on Fox News. I didn't see it on MSNBC. I didn't see it in the New York Times. I didn't see it in the Salt Lake Tribune. You get the point. It was on a little website called sciencemag.com. And yet, it did pop up somewhere on Facebook. Thank goodness. Shockingly, has not been removed yet. Probably because it just hasn't had enough buzz. So I'm going to expose it to you because I think it's really important. There was a paper published on January 30th in the New England Journal of Medicine. That's one of the big guys, right? About the first four people in Germany infected with a novel coronavirus that made many headlines because it seemed to confirm that the public health experts feared that someone who was not symptomatic or asymptomatic with an infection from the virus called COVID-19 can still transmit it to others. That might make controlling the virus much, much harder. Now, this is important because to a large degree, the lockdown, masks, social distancing, closing of many businesses that are deemed somehow non-essential came from this belief that even though you and I don't feel sick at all, walking around, having a good time and everything's good, we could have coronavirus and we could be spreading it. And so we all have to hide in our basements. We all have to wear a mask. We all have to social distance. Even if two people feel really healthy and are doing fine, they can't be within six feet of each other and they ought to be wearing masks. All of those recommendations that have changed the world in a way that it may never recover from, frankly. And our country here in America and my state here in Utah in ways that we don't know. We don't know what the recovery will look like. But we know that the recessions and the depressions of the past have taken years and years and years to recover from. So in major ways, these policies were based on one story about one woman and four people that she infected, even though she was asymptomatic. So Chinese researchers had previously suggested asymptomatic people might transmit the virus, but had not presented clear-cut evidence. There's no doubt after reading the New England Journal of Medicine paper that asymptomatic transmission is occurring, Anthony Fauci, director of the U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, told journalists. This study lays the question to rest. Now, Dr. Fauci is parroting some of the most tried and true BS that we hear from doctors and experts all the time when it comes to medicine and the science of medicine. And that is, the science is settled. It's not true, Fauci. The science is never settled. It just isn't. There's always something new to learn and new to, to come along where we say, oh my gosh, we thought this and now we think that. Remember when they told us margarine was better than butter and eggs were dangerous because of the cholesterol and a million other fallacies? That's why I call Fauci Anthony fallacy because he is. He's one walking fallacy. I can't stomach this guy. But he said, there is no doubt. That sounds like 100%, right? After reading this paper that asymptomatic transmission is occurring, 
This study lays the question to rest. Okay, that's what Fauci says. But now it turns out that the information was wrong. The Robert Cook Institute, the German government's public health agency, that's kind of like their FDA, CDC kind of thing, has written a letter, uh, CDC actually, has written a letter to New England Journal of Medicine to set the record straight, even though it wasn't even involved in the paper. The letter to New England Journal of Medicine described a cluster of infections that began after a businesswoman from Shanghai visited a company near Munich on, 20, uh, on the 20th and 21st of January, where she had a meeting with the first of four people who later fell ill. Crucially, she wasn't sick at the time. During her stay, she had been well with no sign or symptoms of infection, but had become ill on her flight back to China, the authors wrote. The fact that asymptomatic persons are potential sources of COVID-19 infection may warrant a reassessment of transmissions dynamics of the current outbreak. But the researchers didn't actually speak to the woman before they published the paper. What? They just called these people researchers and they didn't even research by speaking to the woman before they published the paper. The last author, Michael Holscher of the Ludwig Maximilian University of Munich Medical Center, says the paper relied on information from the four other patients. They told us that the patient from China did not appear to have any symptoms. Afterward, however, RKI and the Health and Food Safety Authority of the state of Bavaria did talk to the Shanghai patient on the phone, and it turned out that she did have symptoms while she was in Germany. According to people familiar with the call, she felt tired, suffered from muscle pain, and took Tylenol, a fever-lowering medication. Holscher was not on the call, but he says, I asked the Bavarian Health and Food Safety Authority whether the information from that phone conversation called for a correction, and I was told that it was not the case. The Bavarian Ministry of Health, in which the agency is part, has not responded to a request for information from Science Insider. But RKI disagreed. The agency's spokesperson confirms that a letter about the error was submitted to the New England Journal of Medicine. RKI also informed the World Health Organization and European partner agencies about the new information. I feel bad about how this went, but I don't think anybody is at fault here, said virologist Christian Drosten of the Charit University Hospital in Berlin. I want to restate that really quick because I think it's really, really important. I feel really bad about how this went, but I don't think anybody's at fault. Well, how about the flipping researchers that didn't even talk to the patient in question? Maybe they're at fault. Oh, or how about New England Journal of Medicine for publishing an incomplete paper that's supposedly peer-reviewed? Maybe they're at fault. Or how about idiot? I mean, experts like Anthony Fal Fauci, Anthony Fallacy Fauci, who ran with it and said there is no doubt, no doubt, this paper lays it to rest. You know, because he's also the guy along with Deborah Burks who said, oh, well, we might have 2 million people in America that die from this thing. And that's with social distancing and a lockdown. And then last week he said it was maybe only 60,000. And then a few days ago he said maybe it's 100,000. He doesn't know what he's talking about. 
He has no idea. But maybe all of those people are to blame. I don't think that uh, that little statement works for me. I don't think anybody's at fault here. Apparently, the woman just could not be reached at first, and people felt this had to be communicated quickly. So let's quickly communicate the wrong information instead of carefully vetting that information and then communicating it. Because, eh, I don't know, maybe locking down the whole world because one woman didn't get interviewed is fine. It's just a little mistake. Not that big a deal. I mean, come on. Well, you know, what is it? Like millions of people losing their livelihood over this? <laughs> Who cares? No big deal. I mean, yeah, domestic violence is way up and suicide's up and suicide ideation is up. And unemployment is way up. Depression, anxiety, addiction, those are all up. But still, it's nobody's fault. Don't worry about it. Mark Lipsitch, an epidemiologist at Harvard Chan School of Public Health, says, calling a case asymptomatic without talking to the person is problematic. <laughs> yeah, you think, Mark? In retrospect, it sounds like this was a poor choice. However, in an emergency setting, it's often not possible to talk to all the people. I'm assuming this was an overstretched group trying to get out their best idea of what the truth was quickly rather than somebody trying to be careless. Well, you know what? Even if they weren't trying to be careless, they were careless. One of the researchers said there was a lot of pressure from the New England Journal of Medicine to get this out quickly, as fast as possible. <sighs> so, when Fauci was asked about this new evidence, or lack thereof, about asymptomatic carriers, you know what he said? He said, this evening, I telephoned one of my colleagues in China who is a highly respected infectious diseases scientist and health official. He said that he is convinced that there is asymptomatic infection and that some asymptomatic people are transmitting infection. So Fauci, who ran with this thing and said there is absolutely no doubt, three days later said, I talked to my friend in China and he says it's probably the case. There's probably asymptomatic infection. I don't know who his friend is. He didn't say who. There may not even be a friend in China. I have no idea. Fauci's been proven to lie over and over again, including under oath. So, A, I don't trust him, and B, that's pretty weak, right? That's really pretty weak. We actually have more evidence that symptomatic carriers are the ones that spread the disease because that's how almost all viruses work. So that should be the assumption initially until proven different, kind of like innocent until proven guilty, right? The asymptomatic people should be innocent until proven guilty. But no, no, not when you have your own agenda. So let's talk about the fallacy of the mask for just a second. Here in a minute, 
I'm going to play for you Anthony Fauci's words about how we shouldn't be walking around with masks. Not if we don't have symptoms. That was from March 8th. It was February 3rd that he said he talked to his buddy in China. It was uh, January 30th that supposedly asymptomatic people were problematic. And now here in Utah and most everywhere in this country, we're being told we got to wear masks. We got to wear masks because asymptomatic people. I mean, you get on Facebook and you tell people you don't want to wear a mask and people start attacking you and saying that you're selfish, careless. You're going to kill people. Except we know that masks are dangerous to some degree. They cut down your oxygen supply, increase your CO2 intake, neither of which are good things. And Fauci himself is going to tell you why masks are bogus. But that guy talks out of both sides of his mouth, doesn't he? And this is what he says. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course, of course. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. So you get to choose. Do you believe the one side of Fauci's mouth or the other side of Fauci's mouth? Do you believe the one where he said, it's no doubt asymptomatic people carry this? Or the side where he says, yeah, we shouldn't be wearing masks. I personally don't believe much of what he says. And I highly recommend that you don't either. I got to cut to one more break. When I come back, I'm going to wrap up the show. A couple of quick tips for sleep during a crisis. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. During this COVID-19 challenge, Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful now offers curbside pickup. Just call 801 292 6662. We will take your order by phone and have it ready when you get to our parking lot. We can also ship product to most of Utah next day. Give us a call at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Thank you. Welcome to Vitality Radio. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I've got just about three minutes here, and I want to get right into a couple of things to uh, help you with sleep during a crisis. I have a product that I am in love with, and full disclosure, it is one of my babies. I developed it about six years ago. It's called Nightburn, and it was originally designed and marketed for people who wanted to burn a little more fat and recover muscle from exercise while they sleep which sounds totally gimmicky. I get it. But there's a mechanism or two or three that actually makes sense. It helps. Uh, it has ashwagandha, which helps to reduce cortisol. Cortisol has been proven to actually prevent fat loss, specifically visceral fat, the kind that wraps around your vital organs and eventually can kill you and lead to diabetes and things like that. So that's good. 
It helps to get you into a deeper state of more restful sleep by a variety of different ways. It helps you to detoxify your liver while you sleep with dandelion extract. It is a really, really unique product, but it's not a sedative. It does not make you tired, but it will help you sleep better. And it's 100% guaranteed. So if you're having a hard time sleeping from all this stress, if your mind's ramped up at the end of the day, I would recommend it. If you struggle with melatonin, this has no melatonin in it, which is awesome. And one other thing you very well may want to consider is CBD. If you're really feeling stressed out during these times, I know I've talked a lot about CBD lately, give CBD a try because it's very, very safe and it helps with stress on so many levels. It also helps with immunomodulation to help protect you from the current stuff. It is a great, great thing. I absolutely love it. And one more thing I'll mention to you before I have to go. Vital C is here. I, in answer to this crisis and as my way of saying, I, if I'm prepared, I don't need to fear. I decided to actually prepare a formula. It, we did it in 10 days. It was almost like a miracle and I'm so proud of it. It's called Vital C Immunity. It's got 500 milligrams of vitamin C. Well, let's, let's talk about the dose. Two capsules, 1,000 milligrams of C, 15 milligrams of zinc, and 300 milligrams of olive leaf extract, one of the most powerful natural antiviral herbs. I am not saying that this stuff works for COVID because I don't know if it does. But I do know that there's excellent evidence on all three ingredients for other types of virals, viral infections. It is really a pretty cool comprehensive product and it's only $19.99. Uh, so if you're looking for something to kind of boost that immune response, that's an option for you as well, especially if you're having a hard time finding vitamin C and zinc, which they are hard to find. Give us a call if you have questions about anything you heard on the show today, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. That's Vitality, Nutrition, and Bountiful. No matter where you hear this show, you can always call us there, and we will take care of you. If you love the show Please review it, rate it online, subscribe, share it, get it out there, put it on Facebook, put it on any of your social media, Instagram, whatever. I would greatly appreciate it. We need to get this message spread far and wide. At least I believe we do. Thank you so much for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.